2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, the things that you see right now, and if you're in these camping chairs, let me tell you, they are temporal because uh, they'll bust like in, in not, not too much time, you know what I mean? Uh, but uh, the things that you see are temporal or temporary. The, the, the ground that we're on, even though all of the, the elements will melt with fervent heat, the Bible says, so even the things that make up the things that you see uh, are subject to change. They're temporary. So it's not always going to be that way. Your body's not always going to look like that. Now, you could take that in one of two ways, right? You could be like, well, that's great. I'm getting a glorified body. You're like, what are you saying? You know, <laughs> well, I'm saying both, right? Because as long as you're in the natural body, it's going to keep changing. It's subject to change, right? And so, uh, but your spiritual body is renewed every day, day by day, refreshed and renewed day by day. When I was a little kid, they used to talk about the fountain of youth, that we could just find the fountain of youth. Imagine, imagine, Gary, if we found the fountain of youth. Man, we could sell that water. We could sell that water. Well, let me tell you what. We have found the fountain of youth, and we're not going to sell the water because it's free, and it is coming into the very family of God. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the whole reason I came was that you would have life and have it in abundance. In other words, more than enough life. Uh, the Greek word there is zoe. It actually means the life of God and the nature of God. And so I'm so thankful that I don't have to have my own nature. In other words, in order, I don't know why, maybe because you're sitting right here, I just feel like picking on you, Gary. But um, in order for me to love Gary, I don't have to come up with my own love. I don't have to feel like I love Gary. I do love you. I don't have to feel like I love him. I don't have to uh, reason love out. I just actually let the love of God that has been poured into my heart come out my mouth and my actions and my wallet, right? In other words, uh, I'm going to show love to Gary because of what Jesus did, and the love that I show to him is not of me. It is of God, or it is of my new self who is in union with God. So in that aspect, it would be from me, but... If any of us think like that we're so awesome because uh, we became a Christian and God just gave us all this and we have it apart from him, uh, you're on the road to destruction because uh, pride goes before destruction. And so uh, it's our union with Christ where Paul said, you may see me, but my life is over. My life is now hid with God in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, everything's new. Where is that? In his union with Christ. So uh, we were talking about living a life free from shame. And uh, maybe that word is too strong because maybe you're like, well, I don't struggle with shame. Every person has to deal with shame. And your, your result or your reaction, rather, to that struggle shows up in different ways. And so uh, you're trying to, like, hide from it or you're trying to, like, uh, you know, like where you, you cower and hide or you're trying to be like some big, you know, like what are the, like a peacock or something, putting all your feathers out so nobody will see like you got this spot on you, right? Uh, so shame, shame will hinder and stop up the blessing of God in your life. 
In other words, if I have shame, or you could call it sin consciousness, if I messed up and I'm, I, I can't get rid of that thought and that keeps coming back to me and the devil will see that that comes back to you, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect how I communicate with other humans. It's going to affect how I communicate with God and it's going to affect how I see the devil. Why? Because I'm not going to have confidence towards the Lord. And I'm not going to have confidence when I talk to other people. Because I have this consciousness that I have messed up. That I have not, not uh, uh, met the standard. And so this shame then uh, warps personalities. So that who God created you to be is actually barely peeking through the facade of shame. So you got this like this cover of shame. And uh, the thing about shame is uh, you kind of, when you're shameful or you have shame dominating you, you're not as aware of it as sometimes other people are. Uh, so you're reacting to different things and, and uh, doing different things. Well, you know, 1 John 4 uh, talks about perfect love casts out all fear. What does that mean? Well, if you understand that the love that God has for you is a perfect love, and that love will remove all fear. Like there is no place for fear in that kind of love. There is a place for fear in natural human love. Like if I just love you because of what you do for me, or because of the access that you give me, or because of um, how you pray for me, so I, I, I'm going to love you back because of what you do for me. Well, there's fear in that love because I like what he does for me. So if I don't act just perfectly right, he might stop doing that for me because now I'm viewing him as a man, acting as a man. So therefore, I have to, I have to please him in order for him to do something for me. Well, um, God, the love of God, and when a believer taps into that kind of love, it's not based on your performance. So you could act like Brandon and we'd still love you. Right? Just te I'm just kind of teasy today. Okay, so, no, the love of God is not withheld based on your actions. God's not looking at you saying like, Brandon, you know, you messed up, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back I'm going to hold back my provision for you. Uh, I'm not going to provide for you because you messed up. Uh, you know, as soon as you get your act right, then, then I'll give you provision. You know, or, uh, you know, you better look out because sickness is coming your way because, uh, you know, uh, you haven't been treating your wife right. You know, so you just better look out. You pay me later. So, <laughs> no, that's not how God is. But what happens? Our own consciousness of our sins have separated us from God. And so the blood of Jesus actually removes the very consciousness of sins so that we can actually be bold towards the things of God because if Brandon knows I did not treat Lindsay right and now he's going to go and try to pray, well, the Lord's not going to talk to him. We learned that in Peter, right? But if Brandon 
uh, does a 1 John 1, 9 and says, you know what? The word says, if I confess my sin, Lord, I'm so sorry for how I treated Lindsay, that I didn't take the extra time with Lindsay, that I didn't, I didn't just stop and say, baby, just what do you want to talk about? What do you want to say? Anything you want to say? Like, uh, what do you want to eat? Not, not what I want to eat, but what you want to eat, right? And so he said, Lord, forgive me that I didn't do that. And the Lord will forgive him, and he's cleansed at that very moment. But Brandon, when he goes to pray, he's like, I can't believe I acted that way. Why did I act that way? What is wrong with me? Why would I act that way? He's not going to get anywhere and receive anything from God with that kind of thinking. Yet God has provided it, and he is clean and pure before the Lord, but he won't forgive himself. So uh, shame will affect your entire life. Uh, because of shame, um, somebody that is a believer filled with the Holy Ghost, loves the Lord, will just tell a flat-out lie. Why? Well, because uh, if shame comes on you and you say like, um, hey, do you know who did that or what happened there? And that person's not expecting it, and they're ruled by shame, and they maybe did it. They're like, I have no idea. Why? They're not secure in who they are in Christ. They're not secure in the love of God that even if you did the wrong thing, God loves you no matter what, even if the person talking to you acting foolish. God loves you. And if you know, once you know that God loves you, this will change your whole world. That you don't have to, per, you, could, you could really kind of, in a sense, care less what anybody else thinks because God approves of you. Doesn't mean, and if God approves of you, and you know God approves of you, well, God said, you know, Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these, my brother, you've done it for me. So that means it's going to affect how I treat other people. So what I'm saying is, you may be like, I could care less what you think, which should be true, but that doesn't mean that therefore I'm going to treat you like dirt. No, I'm going to treat you like Jesus because I care what he thinks because I have his approval. So while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So I don't know what you've been doing, the worst sin in the world you've been committing that nobody else knows about except for you. Uh, but while you were doing that, Christ gave his own life for you because he loves you. So this... This um, reality, this truth, will cause healing to show up in your life. Because instead of you trying to be good enough uh, and pleasing enough for God to do something for you, you realize all the goodness and all the pleasing originates in Him and comes from Him. Jesus said, you know, they called Him good teacher, and his, his response was, there is none good but God. Jesus said that. Always directing to the Father. Always directing to the Father. And so um, we don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. So God is not looking at the seen things. He's looking at the unseen things. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the... What? Say it out loud. God looks at the heart. God's looking at the heart. 
And the Word is not a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the flesh, but it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it is with the blank that man believes. With the what? With the heart man believes. With the mouth confessions made unto salvation, but with the heart man believes. So uh, our heart is a significant, um, well, it's the most significant, it's the real you. I was going to say a significant part of who we are, but it's the real us. So this body that is subject to change uh, is not Tim. It's not the real me. It's the house where I live. It's my address right now, right? Uh, but uh, when Jesus comes, I'm going to be changed, and this body's going to be changed. You're going to be like, whoo, you look good, right? You probably won't even be so uh, flesh conscious, you know, because you won't even realize, like, what was he wearing? I have no idea. I just experienced his presence, you know, his spirit. And so we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Verse 2 of uh, same chapter 4, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, uh, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Greek word there is shame. Uh, we've renounced the hidden things of shame. And so where I want to go today is uh, Hebrews chapter 4. I'll, be, I'll, I'll read chapter 3 for context, but we're going to Hebrews chapter 4. Talking about, he that believes has entered into rest. He that believes has entered into rest. And so, um, you know, to, it's impossible, Hebrews 11, uh, 6, it is impossible to please God except by faith. So the only way you're going to please God is by faith. So I don't know what you're trying to do uh, by pleasing Him, by uh, I'm going to do this for three hours, I'm going to do this for 30 minutes, I'm going to call this many people, I'm going to do this many things. Uh, but if you're not doing that by faith, it's not going to please God. Uh, I don't care how much money you give. If you're not doing it by faith, it's not pleasing God. I'm talking about into ministries, into churches, uh, or to other people. Uh, you could give uh, thousands, millions, billions of dollars, but if it's not by faith, it's not pleasing to the Lord. And so the reason that you ought to give is because this is what you've seen in the Word from the revelation of God Himself. Uh, Paul said by the Holy Spirit, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. That literally means, uh, that does not mean like uh, when I was a kid they had this game called Clue. And you had to try and figure out who murdered somebody or whatever, you know, like the mystery of who murdered them. That is not what that word mystery means. That word means manifestation. It means revelation from God. It means uh, something that God has that is opened up and revealed to you. In other words, it's on God's side, not man's side, that it comes. So I'm not making the revelation of the mystery come to pass. I'm opening myself up to him and turning to him, and he reveals himself to me. So revelation comes from God, or understanding comes from God. Faith comes from God. So I'm not going to give myself faith. Faith comes by hearing 
Well, the only way you can hear is if God opens your ear, your spiritual ear. I can tell you, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you could be like, well, that's a cool story. And you heard it with your natural ear. But if, you ever, if that ever dawns on your spirit or you hear it with the ear of your spirit, faith is present. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The rhema of God or the word of God, the rhema of God, or it comes by an act of God revealing and opening up the revelation and mystery. Well, that doesn't come by me connecting in with the news. I'm not saying it's bad to watch the news, although if you do too much, it's bad. So that doesn't come by me doing a, uh, a checker, a game of checkers. But checkers is not bad, and it's just a much better example, isn't it? Checkers is not bad in itself, because the news kind of is bad. But anyhow, um, like, come and watch my bad news. Okay, the gospel is good news. And so, uh, but it doesn't come by focusing in on checkers. So like, oh, what's the next move, and how can I do, and you know, how, how, can, I, how can I outwit them, and what am I going to do? Well, if we were just at least that attentive to receiving what God is saying, Oh, you, you get revelation upon revelation. That's why when we approach the Word of God, we say, this is God speaking to me. If you read the Word of God like it is God's personal letter to you, He's trying to communicate something to you, you'll find that uh, you will hear from God. And when you hear from God, in other words, you're looking at this and you're looking deeper than just the words on the page. You're looking from your heart to what God is saying they will become real to you because the Holy Spirit will make them real. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, when he left, he said, you know what, guys? It's been good, but it's going to get better. It's better that I go. Right? What would you think if Jesus was with, with us this morning in the flesh? And he said, you know what, everybody? It was nice to minister to you today. Um, I'm leaving. And this is a good thing for you. And you're like, what do you mean? Well, because they were natural. They weren't born again at that time. So they were natural people think natural thoughts. So these mysteries that are in the word have been revealed to the children of God, but they have not been revealed to the world. So we have a different perspective and we have more light and understanding than, than what the world has of the reality of all things. So actually, one translation calls him the spirit of reality. He said, the Holy Spirit will take the things of mine, Jesus said, and declare them or show them to you, or you could say make them real to you. So if the Holy Spirit's working with Gary, then the Holy Spirit is coming and saying, hey, Gary, I'm going to make this real in your life. I want you to understand this, and I have given you the ability to understand it, and I'm here to help you. So when I'm reading the Word, I'm not reading the Word alone. I'm like, Lord, you said your Spirit would teach me all things. And so I'm opening myself to you, and I'm looking from my heart. I'm not looking from my head. Again, if you want to figure out where your heart is, just figure out the place that Brandon has to forgive me this morning for picking on him. Or Gary, right? In other words, imagine a relationship 
maybe husband, wife, maybe friend, maybe, maybe family, <laughs> maybe family, <laughs> okay, and you just had something went wrong in that relationship, and you know because you're a believer, oh, I can't leave it this way, I need to forgive them. I can just walk up and say, Gary, please forgive me, I'm real sorry for doing that, and I don't mean it. My, my spirit is not content with that. I have to legitimately say, Gary, I apologize for what I did, for how I treated you. I never should have done that. I'm asking you with all that's in me, please forgive me. Well, that's the place where you believe God. That's the place where you believe God from. Uh, because I remember when I first started learning how to believe God, how to trust God. I was like, now is this, because I was a thinker, and so I'm like, well, am I reasoning that? Is that from here, or is that from my heart? And I had some difficulty locating my heart. And um, it's with the heart that you believe. It's not with the head that you believe, it's with the heart that you believe. So if you're believing with your head, uh, you're not going to get results. Uh, because when you're believing, you get results. Because God is not a liar. He honors His Word. In fact, He watches over His Word to perform it. And so um, we believe God. All right, let's, let's read uh, context and then we'll just we'll finish. So uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, or you should, literally it means confession, Jesus Christ. So consider him. Consider him. So let's look to him. Uh, we're thinking about him. Uh, we're chewing on him. We're, we're looking to him who was faithful to him that appointed him as Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses insomuch that he who had built the house uh, has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house is so cool, right? So Christ built the house, but he's a son of the same house that he built, right? Uh, of his own house, um, whose house we are, in other words, we are the house of God, as God has said, I will live in them and dwell in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. God's not looking for some distant relationship. It's, it's nearer than your, your closest friendship. It's nearer than even your spouse, right? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. You should underline that or circle that and put stars around it. Uh, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. You ever had a real bad experience and you're like, I'm, you know, with, with younger people particularly, you see it like I, a boy or a girl, like I'm never going to date another boy again. I'm never going to date another girl again or I'm never talking to them again or I'm never going here again. Right. So what's that? That's that's the hardening of the heart. In fact, the, the reason <laughs> that um, you find divorce is because of hardened hearts. Harden hearts. <clears throat> Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, the day of temptation in the wilderness. In other words, uh, you're, you're in a, a wilderness time. The Lord has spoke to you. Do not harden your heart in that time. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works for 40 years, uh, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they always err in their heart. 
and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they'll not enter into my rest. Take heed, therefore, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. If you look, when the children, the spies went out and came back, ten of them with the evil report, two with the good, uh, the report that they gave back, uh, God called that an evil report of doubt and unbelief. In other words, it is evil to not trust God. I think one of the biggest reasons it's evil to not trust God is because it invites evil into your life. Because God loves us so much, He sent, uh, you know, the, the value of something is determined by the price that is paid. So what is the price that was paid for your salvation? What was the cost of your salvation, my salvation? What is the cost of your healing and my healing? What is the cost of your provision and my provision? It was the precious blood of the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, and His sacrifice. So, in other words, don't let the devil ever tell you you're not valuable. Because if nobody else on the earth ever received Jesus Christ and you did, He would have gone to that cross and paid the price for you to be redeemed in every point. So, so you are priceless beyond natural human comprehension. You are valued beyond natural human ability to conceive the value. Somebody say, like, how much is a trillion dollars? I can't imagine it. Well, you're more valuable than that. So, uh, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So he's given a little more explanation. So uh, take heed, don't harden your hearts. Don't be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So you see this happened to Adam and Eve in the beginning. That sinful thought to do opposite of what God had said was very deceitful. And I think, I think we don't put the right picture on the enemy and the work of the enemy. That he is full of deceit. So if I am full of deceit, you know, I'm going to be like, hey, Cademan, I got this awesome gift for you. It's going to be so awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to make you look so good and powerful. And you're good. You want it. You know you want it. You know what? You actually deserve it. Did God really say that you shouldn't? Oh, but you can handle it. You can handle it. God just doesn't realize that you can handle this. And then I give him this thing, and it's like, uh, like, like Jesus said, it's a scorpion. And it's going to bite him. Right? Well, that's being very deceitful. Like I try to convince him with all of my persuasive ability, and, all, and I also entice him with the lusts of his flesh. This is going to make you bigger than the other kids. This is going to make you more powerful than the other kids. In fact, you're going to put, strap this on. It's going to be like rockets under your feet, and you're going to fly above all of them, and they're going to be like, look at Cayman, look at Cayman. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Right? So, so the enemy is deceitful. So we think he's just going to come like, I feel the presence of evil in this place. Well, sometimes you do. Sometimes you know that. But when you're the target, many times it is very enticing 
This is going to make you look good in front of other people. This is going to give you access to the people you want access to. So just, just go ahead and do this because you'll get that access. Right, so it's, it's the deceitfulness and, and that, that, um, that will harden your heart. It'll harden your heart. For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of the confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you're his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with them he was grieved forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? So those 40 years, remember, they didn't have to be there for 40 years. But they said, we are not able to possess the land. God said, you are able. And they said, no, we don't believe you. We believe what we see. We believe the temporary. And the temporary we see right now are these, this land of great abundance. Do you know you have to have faith to receive just you, like you have to have faith to give? You could have this great abundance. Somebody's like, I'm, I'm going to take care of that for you. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay that for you. I, I'm going to take care of that. It takes, you have to enter into the grace of receiving. You know that lady, I think I told about her uh, two weeks ago or something like that, where um, she, could, she had faith to receive healing for colds, flus, any virus. But man, uh, Brother Hagin one day was praying because uh, he had a group of ladies that they would pray together. And before they prayed, he prayed and he saw them at this woman's house. And when they're at this woman's house, he, she's in a wheelchair. And he saw them praying for her. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he saw himself actually not praying, but saying, uh, Now my sister, arise and walk in the name of Jesus. So he said, let's just go, let's go do that. He didn't tell them what happened. He said, let's go over to her house. Let's pray. So they all went and he told them where to stand, where he had seen in the vision. They all stood there. Do you know what? The power of God showed up in such manifestation, such reality, that that woman, the Holy Spirit, lifted that woman physically out of the chair about two feet and two feet in front of the chair, and she is floating in midair by the power of the Spirit of God. And she looked around, floating up there, and she reached down and grabbed for that wheelchair to pull it back up underneath of her. And he said, you don't have an ounce of faith, do you? Well, he meant about healing for that, because she obviously had faith. And she said, no, I don't mind telling you, I'll go to the grave in this chair. Why? She couldn't believe it. Well, she could believe it, but she couldn't believe it. In other words... God provided the avenue for her to be able to believe it, but she chose not to believe it. So they could have believed that what God said about entering the promised land was true. They would have all entered that promised land flowing with milk and honey, uh, but they had to go in and possess it. They had to get rid of the giants, and they had to be able to receive the abundance. But they were thinking natural, and they were limited by their natural thinking, or they were thinking temporal or temporary, and limited by that. So their temporary thinking told them those are giants and that land has too much of abundance. And we look, we think to them we look like grasshoppers and even from us looking at them we look like grasshoppers. So in other words, this is too big for us. Uh, we can't handle this. We can't do this. And the Bible calls that an evil report of doubt and unbelief. 
Verse 18, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but those that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of us should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Margin of my Bible says, because they were not united to it by faith. So faith in what God has said unites you to that reality. For we which have believed do enter into rest. We which do believe have entered into rest. So um, I'll, I'll say this in close. If you are struggling to trust God, if it's like a labor, if it's a weight, if you're like, this is tough, this is hard, you are not believing God. You are not what we call in faith. You are not trusting God. So the answer to that is not, oh, I'll work harder. It's actually with the heart man believes. And so it's one of the, one of the greatest things I could probably tell you today is that he that believes has entered into rest. And so when you believe, you're not under pressure, any pressure. Pressure does not dominate you. You're not under worry. Worry does not dominate you. You're not under the power of the fear of what if. What if does not dominate you. What dominates you when you are trusting God and how you know that you're trusting God is you're like, all right. With God on the inside of me, directing me, there is nothing that's too difficult. If there's a challenge that comes, it seems like it's a dead end in the road, doesn't matter. He will reroute me or he will move the thing out of the way. He that believes has entered into rest. And so, in faith, there is a rest. And that rest is a deep-rooted rest in the heart of mankind. And so, deep in your heart, you have a rest. Doesn't mean like you're not aware, hey, this has to be done by this, this is coming, what's all this? But you are at rest because you believe God. And so you're not trying to believe God. You're not hoping that you're trusting God. You know in your knower, I, I cannot explain it, but I know God has this. Like A.B. Simpson, you know, with his healing of the heart condition, he said, I, I didn't feel, I don't know if my body felt any different at that moment that he chose to believe. He said, I know I didn't care because I knew God had it in his hands. And if he had it, it's a done deal. I could care less about when it actually shows up. Because I know that I know that I know that he's got it. And if he's got it, it's smooth sailing. You're in the best place ever. He that believes has entered into rest. Stand with me. Uh, he, he that believes has entered into rest. So you're not striving. Uh, you're not laboring. In fact, we'll go to it next week, I believe. But uh, he goes on to say, that our work and our effort and our labor should be to enter into rest. Because we're, that, that's entering into the, what Jesus himself has done. Entering into his work. And when you enter into his work and his, his finished work, you actually enter into the blessings of what he worked for. 
Well, he worked for your uh, salvation, the salvation of your soul, your spirit. He worked for your healing, the healing of your body at every point. He worked for your provision, provision for you at every point. That when you turn yourself over to God, you're not worse off, but actually you're better off. Like we were reading in Malachi, you know, you're like, the thoughts will come and the devil will see to it that the thoughts come. Well, what's the use? I'll tell you what the use is. When you become a part of the family of God, you come into covenant with God himself. And when you come into covenant with God, God has promised by his own existence to protect and provide and make a way. In other words, God is bound by the covenant he made with us that he will provide and he will heal and he will protect. God doesn't have a choice. He had a choice. He didn't have to come in covenant. But when he came in covenant, the reality of a covenant is I'm now giving up my rights. So if my covenant partner says I need something from you, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And so uh, uh, if you're a part of the family of God, you're in covenant with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, maybe you're here today, maybe you're online watching this now or watching it later. Maybe you're not in covenant with God. Maybe you're like, what is that? Well, it simply means that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And to do that, that means that you've made a decision. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be part of the family of God. And I am receiving Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess Him as your Lord with your mouth, that you will be saved. With the heart you believe, uh, with confession you receive. So if you're watching today or you're here today and you'd like to receive Jesus Christ, I want you to slip up your hand. If you're online, there's a thing you can actually hit raise hand. You can raise your hand and uh, you can just be public and say, you know what? I'm giving my life to the Lord. I want to live for Jesus every single day. Don't, don't wait another minute. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't know if you have another day on this earth. Don't resist the Holy Spirit, but open yourself to Him. The, the way that you come to God is not by being good enough or doing the right things. It is by receiving the life of His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you receive His life, you're made brand new so that your nature is to do the right things. So in other words, you're not going to become good enough to come to God. Jesus is gooder or better than you could ever be so that you don't have to be and you receive His goodness. If you'd like to do that, uh, in about five seconds I'm going to clap my hands. I want you to make that decision. Then I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you to pray with me. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Let's, let's, let's do this from our hearts. Say, oh God, I'm coming to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that you raised him from the dead to remove my sins and that on the third day he rose again. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. In, in your name, amen.
If you just prayed that prayer, you have just received Jesus Christ in your heart. Your outward body probably looks pretty much the same. But on the inside, you're brand new and your slate has been completely uh, cleared, completely wiped clean. Uh, If you prayed that prayer with us, uh, whether here for the first time or online, um, if you prayed it here, just uh, come up after service and let us know so we can get your name and be praying for you and get you some materials. And if you prayed it online, just... uh, Fill out the form so we can get your name and be praying for you, or you can send an email to info at anchordc.org. That's I-N-F-O at anchordc, A-N-C-H-O-R-D-C.org. We want to get some materials to you and get your name so we can be praying for you. We're not going to bombard you with a bunch of junk mail, so don't be concerned about that. I'm sure your inbox is like mine and it does not want any more. And um, it's rejecting more. So, uh, but we're so thankful that you prayed this prayer. And even more importantly, God is thankful. He's been waiting for this day your entire life.